Good morning, Joshua Generation. How are you today? Good morning online. Good morning to you guys who are live. We're glad that you're here. I'm seeing some faces today that I haven't seen in a while. So great to see you guys. It's awesome to be together as church family as we can. And uh, we love you guys. We miss you. If you're online and haven't been back yet, we want to invite you to come when you feel comfortable and can. Uh, it is, we miss you. And it's, it, there's no substitute for your presence, right? And uh, so we're glad, though, that you are joining us today. We're anticipating uh, great things happening as we open our hearts and lives to God today, right? We're in the book of Joshua, so open your, your uh, Bibles there, Joshua chapter 3, and then we're going to be also in Joshua chapter 5. A few verses in Joshua chapter 3, beginning at, at verse 7. For the Joshua generation, this is it. We are the Joshua generation, and God, I believe until he comes back, we are the Joshua generation that everywhere that we step, God has promised us. He is giving us as we inherit the land that is, has been promised to us for so long. And God is going in advance of us no matter what is happening in the world around us. Uh, the church is arising and God is moving and great things are happening. Had another miracle. We've been talking about the healing miracles. We had prayer this morning and we're talking uh, just a little time of praise. Uh, my granddaughter, Allison, we didn't really even have time to notify everybody. Started showing some very uh, serious symptoms of illness. And we came together as a, as a family, as people really cried out to God for her. Uh, she's just uh, well today, but her mom's watching her just to make sure <laughs> that she's okay at home. But God touched her miraculously. We have seen that happen over and over and over again. So good to see that baby girl, too, that God has touched and healed. We love what God is doing around here in the way of healing, and that's kind of a legacy of the Joshua generation, right? We know the living God, and He is a miracle-working God, right? All right, so Joshua chapter 3, beginning at verse 7, And the Lord said to Joshua, This day I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel. That, you, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. You shall command priests who bear the ark of the covenant, saying, when you have come to the edge of the water of the Jordan, you shall stand in the Jordan. Skipping down to verse 15. And as those who bore the ark came to the Jordan, and the feet of the priest who bore the ark dipped in the edge of the water, for the Jordan overflows. Now this is an important point, kind of put in parentheses here. This was the season that the Jordan overflows its banks during uh, a time of harvest. And that, what is miraculous about that in the sense of, you know, God dividing the water, there was absolutely no one that could say, well, it was low tide, you know, and uh, the beavers built a dam and so the water dried up and, and they went across. This is high water time right here. And uh, it's overflowing the banks. And if you've ever, how many of you have ever lived around a river? I lived really close to a river that flooded us, uh, the town that we lived in, three times. And uh, it was uh, very frightening when rains came down and the river began to grow. The river was called the San Francisco, flows through uh, a little town called Clifton, Arizona. And uh, 
we, the church had been flooded. The church parsonage we were living in had been flooded in one of those floods. And uh, the water got really high a couple of times while we were living there. And it's pretty frightening. But imagine that, you know, um, those high waters rising up, flooding the lowland areas. And God says, this is your season, right? It is the flood that's pouring in. And God says, yes, this is the day, today. Go put your foot in that water. This is when I'm going to do it. All right, skipping down, if you will, with me to uh, Joshua chapter 5, verse 1. So it was when all the kings of the Amorites and, um, were on the west side of the Jordan and all the kings of the Canaanites were by the sea, they heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan before the children of Israel until we crossed over, that their heart melted. And there was no spirit in them any longer because of the children of Israel. Heavenly Father, open our hearts today to receive your word into good ground. Transform us, inspire us, encourage us. This is the season that you have called us to be here. You've called us to unite together. You've called us to take the land. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. My senior year in, in high school, our defensive coach had a really uh, great idea, you know, and so along with schemes for learning uh, defensive schemes that uh, would help us, he brought us together and, and, and taught us how to um, do a, a, a kind of rhythm, if you will. When the offense came to the line to call a play, uh, we were pounding our pads here and up here on the shoulder pads in a unison, and it, and it was disturbing and distracting to teams that we would play. And, of course, the intention of it is ultimately to um, melt hearts, right? We're a mighty defense over here. You can't hear the signal calling uh, of your quarterback. We're, we know what you're about to do. You're not going anywhere, right? And uh, we had some success in the sense of there, initially with, with some teams we were playing that it, it really disturbed them and disrupted uh, what, what was going on there. And so that, that noise, that pounding of the pads as we came up and uh, guys moving around, it was causing a, a disturbance. And so, uh, the, of course, the intention was, hey, get a little bit of an edge in, in the game on the defensive side and see if we can have some success. Now, many years later, many, many years later, uh, in, in my mid-30s, um, we are, uh, I was up in a mountainous area, Area 21 in Arizona, and uh, while I was deer hunting there, I came in close contact with this guy here. <clears throat> He's uh, way too close. And uh, needless to say that I discovered how fast I could climb a mountain. Uh, as far as I know, that's still a record in Area 21 in Arizona. <laughs> and the reason that he did not pursue me and the reason that I was able to uh, get away was he already had a meal in front of him. And that's what I discovered when I kind of went through the grove and where this uh, uh, kind of river was flowing through. And, and I saw him on the other side over there. And that's... Uh, uh, what I saw was a half-eaten javelina pig. And here's the guy that was unlucky right here, kind of cute, right? He was the unlucky victim of that guy. And uh, as, as a result, you know, he, um, he took my place. I'm so thankful for him. 
And I scaled that mountain in record time, I want to tell you, man, looking behind me over both shoulders, climbing as fast as I could, and trying to get away. And that was a close encounter that I didn't want. But we've all been on both sides of this, haven't we? We have all been on the side where we were the one melting the heart, right? Whether it was the love of your life whose heart was melted for you, right? Or uh, in some way you were the intimidator in a, in a, in a situation, uh, intentionally or unintentionally. And we have all been on that side where we have been intimidated, right? We have been the ones where our hearts have melted. And how many of you really understand the phrase frozen in fear? Anybody, like, I, I really understand that. It feels like they just built mint around my feet. <laughs> and suddenly, you know, there's something intimidating that's happened, something that, that just paralyzes you. And what you do in those next few seconds determines whether you're going to survive or, or, or not, right? We have all been on both sides of this. We can identify with that phrase that we read out of Scripture, uh, melted hearts. I thought it was interesting that in the New Living Translation that the language here is they heard that uh, the Lord had, had dried up the river in advance of them the people of Israel, so the people of Israel could cross. Here's what happened to the kings. It says they lost heart and were paralyzed with fear because of them. They lost heart. They were paralyzed with fear because of what God was doing. All of us have been on either side of this, and we probably decided, right, that it's better to be the intimidator than to be the intimidated, right? And so coming into direct contact, though, with God's power, with the power of God is what melted the hearts of those kings and those people in that land and those, those great cities that were walled up. It melted their hearts to see the power of God to stop the waters and to bring a mighty force across. God always goes in advance of where He calls His people. And the Joshua generation understands that. He sets them up for victory right away. They were already terrified. They were already bringing their forces inside the walls and closing up. They were recognizing that something was different about this group, something was mighty about this group, and that, that God was really on their side, and He was uh, moving in a way that they had never seen before. No matter how tough or how smart or how prepared you might be, uh, in the moment that you have encountered God's presence, you too have had a melted heart. There have been many occasions throughout my life that I've had an encounter with God's presence, in maybe in my pride when I had risen up and suddenly God humbled me, or maybe in the sense of just coming in to worship the Lord and the power and the presence of God just coming down and me recognizing that all the things that I had feared, that all the things that I had worried about, that all the mountains of my life suddenly came down to scale and they were small. The presence of a mighty, mighty God. The Joshua generation understands who melts hearts. They are confident in their leader. They had a track record of seeing God do the mighty things. Exodus chapter 12, verses 33, 35, and 36. I want to read that to you. And the Egyptians urged the people that they might send them out of the land in haste. Remember when Israel was in captivity with the Egyptians? God so moved through seven plagues. Sometimes I wonder if that's what's going on in Texas, right? We had the freeze. Um, we had hail that was knocking windows out and destroying, you know. 
I mean, that was that was pretty terrifying. You know, I, we were here when that happened, and, and hail coming down, you know, big as golf balls, and I'm wanting to move the car, but thinking if one of those things hits me in the head, that might be the end, you know, <laughs> like that might be all she wrote. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it, it, we're seeing, the, the only thing missing is the famine and pestilence that's coming, I guess, you know, all of these plagues <laughs> seem to be like hitting, you know, and, and as a result of that, the Egyptian people begin to tremble, they begin to fear, uh, and God was setting them up for a release, but more than that, listen to this. For they said, we shall all be dead. The, the Egyptians were afraid. They said, we got to get rid of these guys or we're all going to be dead. He goes on to, they go on to say, now the children of Israel had done according to the word of Moses and they had asked from the Egyptians articles of silver, articles of gold and clothing. And the Lord had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And so that they granted them their request. Thus they plundered the Egyptians. I want you to think about this for just a moment. The former slaves plundered the former masters, right? This is the Joshua generation. This is what we do. The tables, uh, you know, have, have completely been turned. Where we were the underdog. We were the victim. We were the ones we can now command in a way that we move forward and say, hey, like some of that gold, some of that silver, and some of those clothes, because God's got a plan, and I'm going to need those provisions as we move out and, and take the promised land that God has given. Well, sure, take whatever you want. <laughs> can you imagine? Can you imagine that uh, that kind of a day in captivity they had lived where they were grateful for any little crumb that came their way in life, and now the tables have completely been turned, and the people are sending them away, but sending them away with bundles and gifts. It's amazing. He said to Joshua, This day I begin to exalt you in the sight of Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, I will be with you. This repetitive language early in the book of Joshua where he's continuously reminding him, you watched me do great things as Moses led. Now watch, I will do great things uh, the, for you as you lead the people, as a people, as a Joshua generation rises up to do what I've called them to do. What do you turn to your nearest neighbor and say, today's a day? Come on, that's kind of weak. You got to believe it. Today is the day. Today is the day. Now, it doesn't look like the day, does it? I mean, it doesn't look like the day for Christianity to triumph, for the church to triumph. But every time that, that it looks like the church is gone, the church is buried, that Christianity is in trouble, that, uh, you know, we're going to start teaching secularism in public schools and everything else, God always has a plan, right? Every time it looks like that, God has a generation that comes marching in and the fear of God begins to fall upon the land. I believe that God wants to use this Joshua generation to melt hearts. He wants to use the Joshua generation to transform this community, to transform public schools, to transform uh, the, the, the businesses that are around in the area. I believe God wants to use the Joshua generation to make a powerful impact right where you and I live today. I believe that God wants to be exalted in your home and in, in your neighborhood and in your workplace in your schools, in your coffee shops, and in, in your front yards, right? Several months ago, we talked about front porch living, you know? 
and, and how uh, great that is. I was telling you about my son and the community they live in. And, and uh, for some reason, people have adopted their front porches. They all live on those front porches the course of the day. You can't even hardly get up and down the street because people are stopped in their cars just having a conversation. And, and if your car side stopped, you just have to wait until they're done, right? They're talking to each other out the window. They're people on the porch and, and uh, their front porch living. For Jesus Christ, we need to be front porch livers, right? God's not called us to live in the backyard. The Joshua generation lives on the front porch, amen? And it says, so it was that when the kings of the Ammonites in the west of uh, the Jordan and all the kings of the Canaanites were by the sea, that they heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan before the children of Israel until they, we crossed over, that their heart melted. And there was no spirit in them any longer because of the children of Israel. I'm wondering today, how confident are you in your God? How confident are you in the God that you serve and the God that you're living for? Have you counted your blessings? Do you remember what God has done in your life? Does that inspire you in this season? Do you take courage no matter what you hear on the news or what you see around us? Do you take courage based on what God has done and what he has provided and how he has brought you through safely? The Joshua generation is, is not satisfied with a secondhand revelation. The Joshua generation has uh, always coveted and desired a first-hand revelation with God. They want an encounter with God. And here's uh, a, a passage out of Exodus that reminds us of the difference between a second-hand revelation and a first-hand revelation. Exodus chapter 20, early on, the children of Israel, they kept, they've come out of Egyptian bondage and camped at Mount Sinai, and Moses is climbing up down the mountain as God is commanding, and he's getting the Ten Commandments, right? God is giving them to, and there's thunderings, and there's lightnings, and there's smoke, and there's things going on in that mountain. And it says, now all the people witnessed the thunderings, the lightning flashes, the sound of the trumpets, and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they trembled and stood afar off. And then they said to Moses, you speak with us. And we will hear you, but let not God speak with us, lest we die. The Joshua generation is okay with hearing from the leaders that God has raised up. But the Joshua generation wants to hear from God themselves. They want to be ushered into the presence of God. They want to hear His voice. They want to know that God is, uh, is speaking directly to them. They want to hear the commands from His lips. They want to march forward at God's behest wherever he sends them. God wants to use the Joshua generation to melt the hearts of the enemy. God wants to melt the hearts of those who perform abortions. God wants to melt the hearts of those who approve and participate in corruption. God wants to melt the hearts of legislators who favor enemy, the enemy's agenda. God wants to melt the hearts of those who serve fear to promote uh, their own personal agendas. God wants to melt the hearts of those who covet power at any cost. God wants to melt the heart of those who crave pleasure at the cost of innocence. God wants to melt the hearts of those who would sacrifice their co-workers, their family members, their friends, uh, you know, just for themselves and to hide their sin. We are, you and I, the Joshua generation. When we advance into the darkness, 
the kings of the land tremble. When God's people come together and begin to obey him and move in the direction he's called, it changes the world. People begin to tremble when they see God at work through his people. We are making room right now in this building and on this very property for the children that God wants to rescue, for the marriages that God wants to heal, for the men and women that God wants to make mighty warriors to take the land, for families that God wants to shape schools and communities and businesses around, right? Families that will be the model by which public officials will start making decisions about what the school will look like, what the community will look like, right? What the businesses will look like. God wants to raise up a Joshua generation that has that kind of influence in our communities. You see, the Joshua generation is, we're not looking for a land of milk and honey. The Joshua generation recognizes we're living in it. (laughs) Somebody else has usurped false authority in the land that belongs to our God. Some enemy, some devil has risen up to say, this is his territory, and built statues to himself, and and claimed that this is the way things will be going forward, and this is the new normal. But God has said, (laughs) cross over. And when God's people gather together and begin to march forward, there is trembling in the land, because people who hold the seat of control and power know that their days are numbered. Their hours are numbered. Their, mo- their moments are numbered. Those who hold the gold and, and, and have used it to exercise control, they begin to tremble because they recognize that what they have is suddenly at risk. And they're going to lose everything when God's people plunder the land. Amen. <laughs> when God's people come in and begin to take the territory, I want to invite our worship team to come back. I want to share this with you. We were led here by God that melts the hearts. Nothing and no one can stand against our God. And here is how the Joshua generation lives. It's recorded in 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5. And I want to just break it down in pieces for us, okay? First it says, for though, we, uh, for though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging according to the flesh. For our weapons of warfare are not of flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. And listen to this, and, and I have a picture that goes along with this. Destroy arguments and every lofty opinion that exalts knowledge against God. Go to the next slide there. So feel free to make improvements upon what I have taught you. After all, I'm only God. (laughs) This is is the audacity of our world right now. And God says, I'm going to destroy their arguments. I'm going to destroy every lofty opinion that has been raised against the knowledge of God. You think you know truth as a set of facts. 
I'm about to introduce you to the person of truth, Jesus Christ. I am the way and the truth and the life. Truth is not a set of facts. Truth is the divine person of Jesus Christ. He did not say, so feel free to just, you know, exercise us any way you want. Just pull it off the shelf. Make it mean what it needs to mean for you. You know, just make it warm and fuzzy and feel good. And, you know, if you've been hurt, oh, you know, change some things there if you want. After all, I'm only God, you know. (laughs) He said, I'm tearing down every argument. I am bringing it to foolishness. Every opinion that has been raised against the knowledge of God, I am bringing it down. And then finally, he closes out by saying, And take every thought captive to obey Christ. It really simplifies it for us, Joshua generation. Here's our role. Take all our thoughts captive. Let's just obey. What has he said? Let's move to the next area of obedience and follow his leading as we go forward.